the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There is no greater joy. There is no deeper pleasure. There is no greater satisfaction than participating with Christ in what he's doing. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast. 888-244-HOPE. Here is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. This is the fourth in a series of presentations on the Holy Spirit. And let's kind of summarize where we've been the first three presentations. Every prompting of right comes from the Holy Spirit. Because our natures are fallen, we do not desire right in and of ourselves. So every time you have a desire to do right, that's planted in the heart by the Holy Spirit. Every time you are led to your knees to prayer, that's the Holy Spirit bringing you to prayer. Every time you're guided to open the Word, that's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is working all around us to move in our hearts. And the Holy Spirit is working in the world to open other people's hearts as well. And we've studied that the Holy Spirit was not simply a force or an influence. And we looked at the biblical evidence from that, that the Holy Spirit is the divine third person of the Godhead. One cannot grieve an influence. The Bible says, Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieving is an element of personality. The Bible says in Genesis 6, verse 3, the Holy Spirit will not always strive with you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So these are all attributes of personality. So we see the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Godhead who's working in each of our lives. And as we surrender to the claims of the Spirit, the Spirit longs to fill our lives. We looked at the distinction between true and false Christianity. And we studied the fact that there is a superficial aspect of Christianity as noted in the parable of the ten virgins. The reason the foolish virgins were foolish and the wise virgins were wise is not because the foolish virgins were sleeping and the wise virgins were wide awake, but we discovered the fact that all the virgins were sleeping. They slumbered and slept. They weren't aware of the rapidity, the speed of events that would lead to the coming of Jesus. We studied about the oil, that the oil represents three things. It represents consecration. It represents healing from within, where the Spirit comes and heals us deeply from within, from those childhood hurts, from that abuse that we've experienced. 
It heals us from those sins, those known open rebellious acts. That the Holy Spirit is a great healer deep within the heart. We noticed as well that the Holy Spirit in the symbol of oil is an illuminator. He enables us to have lives that reach out to others. This morning we introduced in the Sabbath school period of time the Holy Spirit in what's known as the latter rain. Now let me make a clarification here that will be helpful as we go into this presentation. And that is this. We should never think that the latter rain is kind of an infilling of the Spirit when we're absent of the Spirit. The truth of the matter is that the Spirit is working in the hearts of believers at all times. And that the expression latter rain is an extra amount of the Spirit. It's not that we have not been Spirit-led, Spirit-guided, or Spirit-filled. It's rather that to accomplish the task at end time, God takes a group of people that are praying, that seek Him, that want to get out of this world, that long for that, and that have undivided hearts, and that long more than anything else to please Him. Scripture is not talking about an elitist super-perfectionism. It's rather talking about an undivided heart. The desire more than anything else in life to please Christ. The desire more than anything else to do his will. When God has a group of people like that, he pours out his spirit in abundant measure. So in this presentation, let's look at the challenge and let's see how God meets the challenge. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit revival and a finished work. Now I want you to think about the seven or eight billion plus people on the face of the planet only approximately 2.5 billion are Christian. So when you look at a planet that now is over 7 billion, approaching 8 billion, about 2.5 billion are Christian. We have 1.8 billion Muslims in the world, 1.15 billion Hindus, 1.1 billion agnostics and atheists, 488 million Buddhists, plus thousands of other religious groups. When you actually think about it, there are 19.2 million, now approaching 20 million Seventh-day Adventists. We are less than 1% of all Christians in the world and only a fraction of a percent of the world's population. So that leads you to a very, very critical question. How is the work of God on earth ever going to be finished? How can this small band of people with our current resources, how can we ever take the everlasting gospel and the truth of scriptures to the ends of the earth? Is it possible for the gospel in the context of the three angels' messages to circle the world in a relatively short time? Now, there are some that simply look at the statistics and say, that is absolutely impossible. And my comment to that is this. Looking at the statistics, it is impossible. But with man, things that are impossible, with God, all things are possible. And that what one grasps when you read the scripture is that God is going to do something amazing through his church in the last days of earth's history. That God, as we pointed out in our earlier session, has a destiny for you. He has a destiny for this church. He is going to do something and longs to do something far beyond what we can think. What's going to give us the breakthrough in the proclamation of the gospel that we've longed for? Let's go back 
Well, let our eyes go back to the promise of God. Read it with me, please. Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, let's read it together. This gospel of the kingdom might be preached. It's possible it'll be preached. What does that say? Will be. Will be. What's will be mean? It's will be, might be. It's will be, maybe. It's will be, perhaps. It's will be, is it likely possible? It's will be, it's statistically, mathematically possible. What's will be? Will be is a promise of God. This gospel of the kingdom, what's the word? Will be preached to part of the world. Only to enter in South America where they're interested in the gospel, but not in postmodern England where they're... Is England still part of the world? I think it is. This gospel of the kingdom, what's the next two words? Will be what? Preach to what? All the world as a what? Witness to all nations, then the end will come. How many of you believe what Jesus says? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a what? Witness where? To all nations. Then what's going to happen? The end is going to come. This is the promise of God. Jesus himself promises that in the last days of earth's history, just before his return, the gospel is going to go to the ends of the earth with rapidity. Here is the marvelous promise. Mission is always God's. Mission is always God's. He gives us the joy, the privilege of participating with him in his mission. But before what our eyes can see and beyond what our eyes can see, God is at work in these communities. God is moving in Watford. God is moving in Garston. God is moving in Hemel Hempstead. God is moving in St. Albans. And God is stirring up hearts. And as we give our lives to Christ, to mission, we cooperate with God in his great work. So mission is God's. What does Jesus say? This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. He is preparing this world right now for the final proclamation. And he invites with us to cooperate with him in finishing his work. There is no greater joy. There is no deeper pleasure. There is no greater satisfaction than participating with Christ in what he's doing. Now, when you go back to the first century, in Acts chapter 1, you have 120 believers that meet. There likely were more believers, but the number we are given is about 120 believers in the upper room that met. The population of the Roman Empire in the first century is difficult to ascertain. You'll read high numbers for the population of the Roman Empire at about 180 million. I think that's way too high. The clearest, I think, that most demographers would give you is that Rome had a population at its heyday of about a million and a half, maybe up to two million in the highest populations, but the empire had about 60 million. So if you say the Roman Empire has about 60 million and you have 120 believers, that's approximately one believer to every five to 600,000 people. Now you take the population of Britain And the population of Britain is what, about 65 million in that area? So you take the population of Britain and you try to calculate that. That would be about 120 Christians in all of Britain. So what if we met today in this church and we had about 120? And what if Jesus were here and he said, go out and impact Britain with the gospel? Go out to London with its 8 million people 
And if there are 120 in all of the British Isles believers, you might have 20, 30 in London. You know, go out and impact London. The amazing thing in the book of Acts, if you study Acts and you start with chapter 1 and you go down to the last chapter in the book of Acts, most students of Christianity indicate that by the end of the book of Acts you have at least 1 million believers. You have at least 1 to every 60. So the ratio goes from 1 to 500,000 to 1 to 60. Now, if that is true, and if the book of Acts reveals this mighty power of God Could God do that again? And is the promise that he gave for the outpouring of his spirit. You remember Jesus said in John 16 verse 7, Nevertheless I tell you, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. Jesus promised that he would send to his early church the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. And that as the Holy Spirit was poured out, God would do exceedingly abundantly above through that Spirit what they could ever imagine. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power. In other words, the power to reach the world does not come from human genius. It does not come from human organizations. It does not come from human committees. It does not come from human devising that God is going to do something through his people as he pours out his spirit that we cannot imagine at any time. But you shall receive power, he said to the early disciples, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Christ promised those disciples that he would pour out his spirit upon them. That promise is for you. That promise is for me. God longs for you to be filled with his spirit and for you to be the change agent in your family. God longs for you to be the change agent in your church. God longs for you. Now, there are some people that have said to me, oh, pastor, the church needs a revival. I can't wait to see the church revived. You know what the answer to that question is? You are the church. God wants to do something in your heart. God wants to fill your life with the Holy Spirit. God wants to do far beyond what we could ask or think. Notice, in Acts chapter 2, we find three things about this promise, and we want to look at them. The all-encompassing nature of the promise of the Holy Spirit, the all-embracing conditions to receive the Spirit, and the all-empowering results. The all-encompassing nature 
the all-embracing conditions, the all-empowering results. First, we look at the all-encompassing nature of the Holy Spirit poured out in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit is poured out in the second chapter of the book of Acts in a mighty way, reread this, Acts 1 verse 14 and 15 leading up to Acts 2. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. The Holy Spirit is poured out in answer to prayer. Where there is little prayer, there is little amount of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And what does prayer say? Prayer acknowledges that we can't, but he can. Prayer acknowledges that all of our human genius and all of our human plans and all of our human methods are powerless to reach this world. Prayer also acknowledges that it's impossible for us to overcome our greed, our selfishness, our lust, our criticism, our gossip. It's impossible for us to have the change in our lives that enables us to be the powerful witnesses to the world without the Spirit. So what prayer says is prayer leaves our self-dependency in the dust. Prayer leaves our all-sufficient importance in the dust. Prayer leaves our pride in the dust. So what prayer says is, God, I cannot. I cannot. I cannot be the person you want me to be. I am too human. There's too much humanity in me. So when they in the upper room, with all their differences, with Peter, with his loudmouth, self-inflated importance, with Thomas, with his doubting, with Matthew, with his questioning, when they came divided, James and John, the sons of thunder, they came with different backgrounds, they came with different understandings, they came with different personalities, but they knelt together with brokenheartedness. They came together as one, and the passion to reach the world overcame their differences, overcame their backgrounds, and God moved powerfully. The Bible says in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of them. The number of disciples about 120 and there as they came together they prayed they prayed they confessed their sins they sought God for power to proclaim his grace and the floodgates of heaven were open and the rain of the spirit was poured down upon them Will that happen again to a praying church? Will that happen to young people as they meet in youth meeting and they pray and they seek God? Will that happen in a seniors group when they meet together and pray? Will that happen as the church is saturated with prayer? Will it happen when indeed prayer becomes the major part of our lives? You know, when I was here last, I was so encouraged when Pastor Jock gave to me one of your prayer cards and where you were challenged to take the names of three specific people and pray for them. You've been praying for them over this last year. That son, that daughter, that husband, that wife, that neighbor that does not yet know Christ. Now's the chance to take the second step. You've been praying for them. Now's the opportunity to give them a book, give them a piece of literature, invite them to something here at the church. Watch to see what the Spirit does in their life. Now notice in Acts chapter 2, the all-encompassing nature of the Holy Spirit. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, other languages, to meet the different linguistic groups that were there as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm interested in this word, all. They were all filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says. It came to pass in the last days that I'll pour out my spirit on what all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That word prophesy, not necessarily prophetic vision, but proclaim. Then it says your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Now notice, God has no respect of gender. He says that your sons and your daughters will proclaim. Male and female receiving the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on your sons and daughters. God has no respect of age. It says sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out without measure on the young or old. And God has no respect for social status because it says the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on men servants and maid servants. Isn't that incredible good news? Male and female, young and old. God is going to do something with people of every status. It's really remarkable what God can do when a man or a woman fully gives their life to him. I think of the story of Abraham LaRue. Abraham LaRue was a seaman and was out on boats for 15 years. When he was in his 60s, he retired, knew very little about Christ, picked up a piece of Adventist literature in San Francisco and read himself into the Adventist message. As he read, he was by now 65 years old when he became a Seventh-day Adventist. But there was a joy burning in his heart to know Christ. So he got on his knees, he began to pray, said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. And when you pray that dangerous prayer, and you say, God, if there's a neighbor you want me to witness to, send me over there. If there is one of my sons or daughters you want me to witness to, give me the words. If I'm to go down the street and find a work colleague, Lord, just, I'm yours. That's a really a dangerous prayer. Abraham Luru began to pray that prayer when he was 65 years old. And the God impressed him. You've been out in the sea all your life. Take a boat and go to China. If the Lord told me to take a boat and go to China, I'd say, Lord, I think you called the wrong person. You know, <laughs> I mean, I've been in China, but I didn't go by boat. I went by plane. <laughs> God's opening the gospel in China right now. But the year was 1885. And the Lord began to impress Abraham Lebrou. So he wrote to the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. And he said, I believe God is impressing me to go to China. Now, the General Conference wrote back to him one of these beautiful, kind letters that the brethren at the General Conference are used to writing. And they wrote back to Abraham LaRue. They said, Dear Brother LaRue, we just don't have the funding to send you there. You know, that's a pretty common answer. And then they said, Dear Brother LaRue, you're a little old. Why don't you think about going out and coal portering in Hawaii if you want a coal porter? Choose one of the islands of the Pacific. As Abraham LaRue laughed later, he said, I did choose an island in the Pacific. It was Hong Kong. I followed the Brethren's Council. At 65 years old, he went out to Hong Kong. And in Hong Kong, he couldn't speak Chinese. And so what did he do? He began to witness to British seamen that came to Hong Kong. It took him 14 years before his first Nine British seamen were baptized. When they were baptized, they came back to Brighton and planted the Seventh-day Adventist work in Brighton. 
because a man in San Francisco at 65 went out to witness in China, led by the Holy Spirit, and now by the time he's in his 80s, witnesses to these British seamen who bring the word of God back here. Did Abraham LaRue ever think that God was going to do something like that through him? The Holy Spirit was poured out on that man. You may be 65 years old or older. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. How old was Moses when he led the children of Israel out of Egypt? 120. I mean, God can use you yet. How old was John when he got the first vision? In the book of Revelation, he was in his 90s. The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on the young and what? And the old, on the middle-aged. When we open our hearts to Jesus, it's amazing what the Spirit will do in our lives. You and I have offered by God the abundance of the Spirit in our lives. We need not struggle with the same sin again and again and again and again. We need not be powerless in our witness. The Holy Spirit is promised to us throughout the Old Testament. God poured out his Holy Spirit on individuals. But at Pentecost, he poured out his Holy Spirit on the collective body of the church. God will do that again. The promise of the Spirit is for you. It's for me. It's for this church. The promise of the Spirit is for us in this generation. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365. We'll pick up where we've left off here tomorrow when we continue this broadcast. Please stay tuned. And don't forget, you can always find this broadcast online at hopelives365.com. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.